There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that unite us here, uh, but the primary and the most important is Jesus. And, and I believe that Jesus was man and God, and I, I don't know how that works. But we've been going through the book of John, and, and we're reading about this. And, and once we really believe that Jesus is God and that he did come, and that he did experience what we've gone through, what we're going through, and yet he was able to overcome it with the power of God and live that perfect life and die for us. And last week, we, we celebrated that he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected. And so not only were we saved by his life, or I mean, we saved by his death, but we now live through his life. And so that's so exciting. And, and the other mystery, guys, is, is even though God, the Holy Spirit, lives in those who are his that, that believe and follow him, he also unites us together. So, so this morning when we come together, we need each other. Do you see that? when we, it, it's, it's the mystery that we lift each other up as we sing together, as we pray together, as, as we live together, as we eat meals together, as we struggle together. It was God's plan, his intention, that we wouldn't do this alone. And so, so thank you for singing. Like any Sunday when I can hear as much singing behind me as up in front of me, it's like, thank you, Lord. Like, I need it. You want to call it my soul, my spirit, my heart? Whatever word you want to use for the inside of me needed that, and, and you do too. And so praise God for that. I want to start out by praying. If you're new to this part of Arizona, it's weird, right? Sometimes March feels like summer, and sometimes it feels like winter. And then sometimes in the same week, it feels like both. Yes. Right? Exactly. And, and most people came here to escape allergies, but they love the plants from their hometown, so they brought them, right? Only there's this weird water thing that falls from the sky other places that doesn't here. So they dry out, they create pollens. What ends up happening is we all get sick. So there's so many people sick right now. So if we could sing and lift each other up, let's pray right now for those of us who are brothers and sisters who are, who are sick, man, battling allergies and all the complications of that. Uh, Lord Jesus... It's all for you. Forgive us for making it about anything else, Lord. Thank you for creating a a place, this place where we can come together today, sing, pray, uh, talk about you, learn from what, what you said and what was written through your time on earth, Lord. I pray that you would speak to us deeper than our mind, to the very center of us, where you created, where you live, that you would speak to us, Lord, today. And that any word I would say would be from you. And anything that I say that you don't want, that the Spirit would filter it out before it got into the ears and the hearts of these men and women, Lord. I pray for our brothers and sisters who might be traveling or um, sick. Lots of people are, are sick and battling allergies and stuff like that. So I pray, Lord, that your healing touch. I thank you for this land. Bless us. Be with us. And uh, thank you for providing. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So the, now if I say the bread of life, and uh, if you guys have been in, I don't want to assume everyone's in church. It would be cool if somebody was in here kind of checking it out. So if you're not so sure if you're a Christian, that's awesome. I hope, I hope, that, I hope that you would consider this in these words that I'm saying, that the invitation is not to a set of rules, but to a way to live and, and a Lord that guides your life and brothers and sisters who are trying to do this too.
right? Where we're practicing. And so this term bread of life, have you heard of it before? So if you've been in Bible studies, it's a a very common, very popular. Turn in your Bibles if you would, or you can open an app if you use use the technological version. I also have the, the verses up here on the screen, but I want you to see it for yourself, okay? Now, first of all, by way of introduction, what's fascinating, when you read in the Bible, when Jesus was talking, a lot of times he was telling us about spiritual truths, right? Things that the simple human mind and eye couldn't understand and see. So I think if we can start there, are, are we aware, back to that, there's certain things that we just, we don't quite, we can't comprehend, we don't see, we don't hear, we don't understand, okay? Know that that's true. And here's good proof. Look back at your life. Was there ever something before that you didn't get that has over time become clear now? Right? So I'm I'm supposing if that's true, that there's probably things right now that seem unclear to me that I pray in the future that God will make clear. Is that a fair assumption? So Jesus spoke in a lot of these, spoke in parables or, or symbolism or metaphor or, you know, there was figurative language. Right? In literal, literal actual language. So in the Bible, this word bread. First of all, what would you say it symbolizes bread? What things could it symbolize? Life. Life, okay. What was that? What, what, what about, yeah. And what about from a literal? What would bread be? Food, Food bread, right? And, and yeah, exactly. And you nailed it too. When we use the word bread, what are you going to say? A symbol of togetherness. Oh, somebody left their lights on? A Texas plate has their lights on. If you have a Texas plate on your vehicle, your lights might be on. So we just got an announcement there. Um, So, now bread, in a literal, can be food, right? And when we say bread, even though we're thinking of a loaf of bread, it also refers to food in general. So if you say, Randy, if I say we're breaking bread together, what's that? Right, and we're eating some food. There may or may not be bread there, depending on how carb conscious you are, right? I don't know. But, but it could, right? At this point in time, uh, in this culture, you know, bread was a staple food. It was, it was, it was a sustenance for the people. It, it provided. So when we think about that, we got to understand, okay, so bread, it can symbolize things. Like it can symbolize Jesus. It symbolizes provision. It symbolizes life. Because the science is out there, and it says something like you and I, you know, maybe, maybe 70 days, some people say 60 days, depending on the person, you could live without eating if you were still drinking before your body would cease to work. So there is some physical need for food. Now, can God do supernatural things? Sure. But even Jesus, when he fasted, how many days in the wilderness before he stopped? 40, right? God and Jesus knew that, but then thousands of years later, science was like, yeah, at day 40, your body starts shutting down. Yeah. Almost like God who created me knew that ahead of time. Hmm. It's a good thing we're so smart. We took a thousand years to figure that out, a couple thousand years to figure that out. So yeah, bread equals food. It's symbolic. It represents God's life-staining provision. That's what we're going to talk about. When Jesus says that bread, he's like, I have a provision and ability to sustain life, just like food can stabilize and and sustain a physical life, Jesus not only sustains a physical life, he sustains a spiritual life. 
Um, it also, this provision, guys, it might be physical, but it might also be spiritual or emotional. Okay, enough, enough background there? Okay, let's see. Let's go back to John 6. Now, we stepped away. So if you look at John 6, and page 891 in my Bible, if that helps anyone has the same Bible, but... Chapter 6, it starts with, if you were with us, we went through this. If not, catch up. Go back and look at that. Verses 1 through 15 in chapter 6, Jesus did this miraculous thing where where he fed 5,000 people. He and his disciples were trying to get away. The people followed him. It says that he had pity on them because they had no shepherds. So he, he taught them. They got hungry. His disciples are like, we got to send them away. We've got no food. He goes, let's see what we have. They, fat, they had how many fish? Two fish, how many loaves of bread? And somehow, miraculously, he fed more than 5,000 people with a, with a bunch left over. So they were, they were this miraculous thing. Everyone was fed to their fullness. And they wanted to make him king. And so Jesus and his disciples, he's like, let's go. I want you guys to go across the sea. They got in the boat. They went across the sea. Jesus went up and prayed. They went out on the sea. They encountered a really rough storm. Then all of a sudden, right in the middle of the night, here comes Jesus walking on the sea. And these guys were like, it's a, who is it? It's a ghost? And it was like, no, it's me, Jesus, right? They're freaking out. Some of the other accounts of this part of Jesus' ministry talk about Peter, one of his followers, walking on the water towards him. But John didn't say that. John didn't tell us that part. He just told us that Jesus got, he calmed the storm, got into the boat with his students, and that's where we pick up, okay? John 6, and immediately the boat was at land, which they were going. So all that happened. Feeding of the 5,000, walking on water, miraculously the boat shows up on the other side of the sea. It gets there. Verse 22, we pick up. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there. Okay, so if we stop there. So people were still hanging out, or they left and they came back. Because he just did this miraculous thing with food. But they noticed, they looked, and what they saw was there had only been one boat, right, that, that left and Jesus wasn't with them. Where's, where's Jesus? So the people were wondering. They wanted more Jesus, right? I want more time with this guy, with this great teacher. And that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. So they were confused, right? They didn't see Jesus leave. You and I, just like them, wouldn't assume that the guy walked on water on the other side of the sea. That's just not a given, right? We would have thought he had to take some kind of boat. So verse 23, it goes on to say, Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So boats came in. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So you get in the picture here? This is not like, this is a real story, right? That, that's part of the belief here is this, is this is a real man with a real life. A group of people, they wanted to come back for more of what Jesus had, but they didn't know where he was at. Boats came in to dock, and they all decided, let's go find him. Let's go where his disciples are and see if they know where he's at. Got on the boat, went across the sea, looking for Jesus. So my question is, 
like I said, this is a real story, so let's use our imagination here based on what we know. Why were these people trying to find Jesus? Because they were fed? What was it? His miracles. Yeah. Catch more of what he has to say. He was giving them good news. They wanted more. You know, also think about this. There was probably a contingent of people that were trying to prove him wrong. Right? I mean, we do that in church too. It's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm going I'm to look at you suspiciously like you're going to mislead me. Right? You're guilty until proven innocent. And throughout Jesus' ministry, we don't think about that, but the religious leaders were kind of following him around, waiting for him to slip up. So I'm sure they were in that midst too. So, yeah. You had good motives, uh, maybe questionable motives and poor motives in this crowd. Yeah, those are... Anyone else? Anyway, these guys were serious enough about it to go in a boat and cross the, the sea. Now we'll go back to verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? I mean, can you imagine that, right? I picture that. You go all the way across the sea, and then there's Jesus. Like, how did you get here? I walked, right? Like, yeah, geez, how'd you make it all the way around that fast? Someone come with a time machine and take you on a helicopter and bring you over? I don't know. What happened? But rabbi, right? So they see that he's this great teacher. There's, there's a little bit of the motive. Some of them saw him as this rabbi that had wisdom that they wanted to, to learn from. And then Jesus answered in verse 26. He says, truly, truly, which means what? Like, absolutely, I'm telling you the truth. Pay attention. Listen to what I'm about to say after this because it's going to be real, okay? Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. What in the world does that mean? Truly, truly, I say to you that you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He fulfilled their needs. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. They experienced something more than they just saw. Someone over here said something? Worldly sustenance. But Jesus kind of, he knew the hearts of men. And if you guys have been going through John with us, you'll see that. Like, Jesus saw people. He still does. He sees you. He knows you because the Bible says he was there when you were created. Through him, everyone was created. He is the knitter of you in your mother's womb. He's the reason why you defied mathematical odds to be conceived, grown to term, or close to enough to survive, and survived. And if you got any gray hairs, then you're another miracle that you've made it that long. All that's him. So he saw these men. He goes, I know what's going on inside of you. You want more of that food. But that, you know, Paul, back to that point, that's interesting. Because here's what I found. Here's one observation. I found myself this. Have you ever asked yourself, man, Lord, I want to see more miracles like in the Bible? Right? We have. But what we see so far in John, and it's going to continue that way, is the miracles didn't work. I mean, they, the miracles worked, but it didn't, it didn't really change them. Right? 
The whole point of the miracles was what? To show that Jesus could do it and that he was God. And then beyond that, the people who were really transformed weren't even necessarily the recipients of the, of the miracles. It was his disciples who were helping him, right? And then at times they were blessed by those miracles, but at other times it was like he fed ungrateful people. He healed a man who went and tattled on him to the religious leaders trying to get him killed so he wouldn't get killed, right? He healed the woman who had been bleeding, but, but who knows, right, what happened after that? Meanwhile, these guys, they went with him. And so what he's saying is like, you did, you're not even here because the miraculous thing, you're only here because the miraculous thing helped you and you want to be helped again. And that, my friends, is the danger, man. Not, not to insult any brothers and sisters, but if, if we're constantly looking for that fix, that jolt of energy from some sort of miraculous thing, me experiencing, we're missing the entire point. The, the whole point of his miraculous work is to show that he's God and he's able. So when he doesn't do the miraculous thing you want him to, you're like, you're doing things I know nothing about, God, and I'm just going to trust you. I know it's a, oh, it's a bad word, right? Uh. So it was, their, it was their selfish need to be fed. So that was kind of my note here. The people were looking for their rescuer, their savior. Understand this. Don't forget that over centuries, these people have been talking about this rescuer this Savior, this anointed one that was going to come back and set everything back to the glory it was when King David was there, right? That God had an anointed person that was going to make their nation great again, right? Make their faith great, provide for them, feed them, make their land the land of milk and honey. Make some more bread. And so those people were looking for their rescuer, their Savior, to come meet their physical and emotional needs. Right? Do you think, I mean, hey, if I'm off, I'm learning, guys. I'm here a student too. If I'm off, but if we can come to that agreement, then we can keep going from there. Does that that sound fair? They were wanting him to meet their physical and emotional needs. Anyone follow Jesus for more than five minutes and they found that they felt in a physical or emotional need he didn't meet and you don't know why? Right? Like if you follow him, if you, if you were saved yesterday, you've probably already figured out you don't get everything you want. Jesus is not a genie that grants every physical and emotional wish that you want. Right? As a matter of fact, thank God he doesn't because who knows where you would end up. Not in a good place. Okay, so basically, the people are like, Jesus, I just put words in their mouth, please keep doing miraculous things to make sure I'm satisfied physically and emotionally. Jesus, please keep doing miraculous things to make sure that I'm satisfied physically and emotionally. And then Jesus said, so then he brings that back because he goes, this is about food for you. Once again, is he talking about food in an actual literal physical way? Yes. But is he also talking it in some sort of figurative way for their spiritual needs? Yes, both. So he says, do not work for the food that perishes. Like, you guys are working. You came across the sea for more bread. Let's step back a second. Understand this. I believe 
Way down in my giblets, Randy, this is true, okay? So from Genesis, it tells us that when Adam and Eve chose to go a different way than God had commanded, there were certain curses is what we call it on them. And one of those things that we are still living in and the people at the time of Jesus were still living in was this. This is the curse to Adam. Genesis, you find this in Genesis 3.17. And to Adam, he said, because you listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Okay, getting food, is this going to be easy or hard for men and women from now on? Hard. Yes. Verse 18, thorns and thistles, right? You have a garden, you know what I'm talking about. It shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So here's their reality in ours too. Okay? Getting bread was hard work. Making sure that you were safe, you had shelter and food, was a big part of your day in ancient civilizations. Right? Uh, I learned this in school. They're like, you know where art, philosophy, and music come from? People that are bored because their food and their shelter is taken care of. Right? That's when you get to worry about stuff like that. Because other people, they're working most of the day to try to feed themselves and keep them and their families safe and sheltered. And that's all part of this curse. So yeah, these people are working, man. Bread is a good commodity. They don't eat like that every day. It's worth getting in the boat and going across to hopefully go into this kingdom where they're always feasting. But he's like, don't work for that. Do not work for the food because guess what? That food perishes. It goes bad. But basically, work for the food that endures to eternal life. Wait a second. Jesus, okay, there's food that doesn't perish, that goes for eternal life. I mean, what kind of preservative is that, right? We're trying to duplicate that uh, in these food-like substances, but we can't get it. But Jesus said there is a food. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. So Jesus is going to give us this food? For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? You get that? They turned it back on him. They're like, okay, so Jesus, there's food that we can get that that will sustain us, that won't perish. And you're telling us not to work for this food, the bread, but to work for this food. So they're like, okay, tell us, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Okay. A while back, we we studied kind of three levels of belief based on the language. You know, this this simple pastuo word that that we translate to believe. It could be a a psychological acknowledgement, a mental acknowledgement of something's existence. And then the next level is this this pastuo, and then you start adding words, extra Greek words in there. Okay, this is translated from the Greek. The next one is, I'm believing in, I'm having confidence in. That's what this is. And then, and so this pastuo ice here, this means I like, 
the work, the work of God that you believe, that you have trust, that you have confidence in this Jesus. Wait, wait a second. So if I want to work to get this food, my work is towards believing and having trust in Jesus? That's a pretty profound statement. We'll go back to that. But here's the people, right? They're thinking in terms. And we get this too. You, we idealistically look at history, right? We idolize things in the past. You, you remember the good things about the previous years, not, not as much the bad things. So they said to him, verse 30, then what sign do you do? Like, if you're going to make this claim that you're from God and that you're this, what sign do you do that we may believe you? And they don't get it because they're saying what they're, the, the language here is saying. Okay, we want to believe that you're this mad, mentally, psychologically. What are you going to do to prove it? Prove it. Bet. Right? Like, prove it. What are you going to do? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna, back to bread, right? In the wilderness, as it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they're idealizing Moses, right? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Then Jesus said this. Jesus said to them, verse 35, I am the bread of life. If you're studying John, this is the first of seven I am statements that tell us about who Jesus is. John, later in the book, he told us the whole reason why he wrote this, his account of Jesus' life, is so that you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that you'd have faith in him, and by believing, right, you would really live. So Jesus is the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Okay, guys, we have limited human brains, but have you ever been to the end of a conversation where you're like, I'm talking to someone and they just don't see it, what I'm trying to say? I don't, want to, I don't want to bring Jesus down to human terms, but I'm like, help me understand because I'm so blind, Lord, and I see, okay, you can see this based on how they answer. Jesus was like, yeah, they don't. The majority of them don't get it. But I said that you've seen me and yet you do not believe. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Now, guys, this here gets really confusing because we want to be so smart. Can I admit, I'd like to be smart. I wish I could, I wish I could tell you something that was smart, but I, I don't have much that's smart. And, and so we take this and we argue about what does this mean, that the Father gives me, all that the Father gives me will come to me. There's all sorts of belief systems built on these type of statements, but here's what I can tell you for sure. If anything's happening in you, 
right? If God is, is touching in those deep parts of you and speaking to you, that's him. And that's him calling to you. That's him drawing you in. And so Jesus is saying, listen, for those of you that get it, it's, it's God. He's, he's bringing you to me. And, and just come because I'll never, I won't, when you come to me, I'm not going to send you away. That's cool, right? Here's the bad news. When he's doing that, don't ignore him. Come to him. The bad news is if you do, it's going to get worse and it's going to keep coming until you finally listen, right? So that's what Jesus is like. I'm talking to the crowd of people and they all benefit from the miracles, but only a few of you are going to get it. But if you get it, God is calling you to me. And whoever comes to me, I won't cast out. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it all up on the last day. He's not going to lose you. And not only that, he's going to raise you up on the last day. All right? So, man, I should stop there, right? But I won't. I'll get, I'm going to keep going. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on that last day. The one who looks at him and believes in him. That's the call for today, right? That's what, that's what this section of Scripture. There, there's a whole uh, objection that comes. And the next verses we'll talk about next week. But that's, that's as far as we're going to go in that. But let me, let me talk to you about this. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now put that together with the fact that, that it's God who, who draws people to Jesus. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? And here's the thing I wish I could figure out because I'm back to this thought. I made this observation about them. The people were looking for their rescuer and their savior to come meet their physical and emotional needs. And my question for you is, are we doing that? Like, Lord, you're moving in my heart that I I have this hunger, and and I admit, guys, I hunger for certain things. I wish I was stronger. Imagine yourself created by the God who created everything, and he loved you so much. He made you not to be alone, but yet to be unique and special. And then because of the situations, even though you were so unique and special, you got separated from him who loved you the most. And you were stuck on this rock um, flying through space with a bunch of people who were desperate because what they were created for, to be with this God, they weren't getting to do. God is like, I'm going to come rescue you. 
Are you going to have need? Yeah. Is it so wrong to want to be loved? Is, is it so wrong to want to be comforted? Is it so wrong to want to be happy or to be excited or, or to feel special or to be seen? Is it? Do you? Do you want those things? Everybody does. I do. And isn't it hard? Because I just want Jesus to come take care of all those things. And I want him to do it my way. Right? The goodness of God and the squirrely thing about him is he doesn't do the things the way you want him to do the things. That's why they killed him when he came. They didn't know what to do with it. But yeah, back to that question. I feel like I'm getting a universal yes. I get it. I don't want to just point a, people at, or a finger at people because I'm even coming here wanting Jesus to feed me. Wanting him to give me a place to be, a place to belong, a good feeling inside for this week so that I can go through the rest of the week. But no, guys, this is something where we're praising him and living with him all week. And when we come together, it's like, thank you. I know I'm not alone and we're doing this together. We're praying, we're lifting each other up, we're singing. We're talking about the same thing in the scripture here. So, so what are your expectations of a savior? What about our health? Shouldn't our health be fine? What if it's not? Trust him. Shouldn't shouldn't you like live where you want to live, work where you want to work? Shouldn't that happen? How about your relationship? Shouldn't your kids just be killing it the way you want them to be killing it? What about your spouse, man? Like, shouldn't they basically be here to serve you in all your weakness, right? Right, right? What if your house, what if your spouse is a turd like me, right? Selfish. I got a good laugh right there. What does that say about me? I don't know. Uh, But what are my expectations of a savior? What am I holding Jesus to like these people? What am I crossing seas to find that's not what he's about? Anyone feeling a little bit of something inside? Okay, good. I thought maybe this sermon was just for me, Chris. I don't know. That's God. That's God. That's God. Where am I going to look for my bread? Anyone had money and it just didn't do it? I was never sexy, but anyone sexy at one point in time and it didn't do it either. Uh, Still am. Thank you for taking that burden for all of us, brother. Did you ever have enough sex? No. Did you ever have enough money? No. Like, where am I looking for my bread, right? And, And this is, I mean, this is just the confession of that. Like, I come to work, right? This is my work too. So do you like what's happening? Are you engaged? Do you show up? How many chairs are empty? If I'm not careful, I'm looking for that. 
For friends, man, do, am I relating to them? For my kids, how are they doing? Are they loved? Are they doing well? My wife, does she see I'm special? Does she serve me? Does she love me? Does she want me? Like all of those things I'm looking for because I'm hungry for those things. Any of you guys? So a real practical question is, Lord, how how can I look to Jesus for that life-giving bread instead? That's Okay, what's the next slide? Is the answer there? I don't have the answer. There's five steps, right, Rick? Isn't there five steps we should do? What? James, James helps. Yes, James helps. Ladies are doing a James study. I mean, it, there is, I'm, guys, you are not going to like this, but this helps, right? Right? I mean, sometimes it's up against the head if you're misbehaving, but other times it's reading and hearing what God wants um, and how he directs us and what's true. For sure. What, what helps? Any of you guys figuring this out? I mean, little by little. With inch by inch, working on it. So what kind of things can we do? Tell me a practical thing. We're supposed to be lifting each other up. Seek, what's that look like? Seek his face. Explain it. Prayer. When you pray, Word. when you're, you're always looking for him when you're in here. Yeah. Hang out with others who are doing the same thing. Yeah. Someone said something over here. Believe his promises. So we have to change our expectations to his, and therein lies the difficulty. Yeah. Other practical helps. So to realize that you will be thirsty and hungry, but that true satisfaction of those things only come through him, right? And that eternal life, yeah. But is it okay to, oh yeah, sorry. To include him in your life, right? Yeah, and even more than that, right? I think that is, that is um, centering a lot of that we're doing, including him in every part of it, centering our life around him, yeah. Trust, he's enough. Yeah, I ran into a difficulty recently, and I was praying, and this was, this was the message I just kind of heard inside, so maybe my own brain came up with it, maybe it was God. But it sounds like a God thing. He said, Will, I'm doing things you know nothing about. It was back to that trust, and I was like, okay. Right, because sometimes you don't know, what kind of work should I do? I should do something about this. This is an injustice. I should stop it or say something, but then God's like, I'm up to something you have no idea about. And that's hard when it's someone else. You know what? It becomes almost impossibly difficult when it's you. <laughs> like, God, this, the plead of my heart. Like, Lord, please, I'm going to say no because you have no idea what it is I'm up to. I'm up to things you know nothing about, Will. Hmm. What else? 
Put him first in your life. Adam, ask him to shatter your own self what? Gods? Your own self gods. Yeah. Okay, so, so let, let's, let's bring this back together. Okay. Let's start with this, guys. Do you have needs? Yeah. Does God, is God unaware of your needs? No. My wife tells me, I know what you need. You don't have to tell me, right? Like, if she knows, like God knows, like God knows our needs. Is it wrong to share, to pray? Right? I mean, the Bible says things like you don't have because you don't ask or cast all your cares on me or your anxieties on me. Like, those are, those are things that we can do. So by all means, in, in your time when you're talking with God, can you share that? For sure. Let's be real about those needs, but we don't stop there. Okay? We don't stop there. What we do is I'm hungry, and I don't want to pretend I'm not hungry. But I bring my hunger to you, Lord. Once again, I'm telling myself that because I'm bad at that. So I, I want, the, I want the, the praise team to come back up. I don't have the answer. I don't know all of your situations, but I, I want us to pray together. Can we do something? We don't pray enough. Would you, guys, would you guys do something that could be a little uncomfortable? So, yo, Elliot, would you, would you mind just playing something instrumentally okay, for this next song? And then what I'd love for you to do, and for the folks online, I'm sorry, you might miss out on some of this, but let's have a little bit of time of prayer. And I think it would look like this. I would ask you this. What I want you to pray about is, is what does this scripture say about Jesus, that he is the bread of life? I am the bread of life. What does that say about Jesus? In a prayer form. And I'll start it off just to say this, okay? Father, uh, we're in the middle of the scripture, and, and we just pray that you would work this in our hearts through this week, Lord. Um, and in my heart, the Jesus is the bread of life. It means that we need bread. We need sustenance. We need spiritual food. We need physical food. And Jesus, you can provide the spiritual and the physical food. What about someone else? Jesus is the bread of life. What's it say about Jesus? Keep and trust him. Nothing else is necessary. He's enough. If we don't trust him, who can we trust? 
What else? What does that say? Jesus is the bread of life. What does it say about Jesus? Who he is? Jesus sustains. I know it's a little weird, but what does it say about Jesus? It's not what we normally do, but what does it say about Jesus? Tell me about Jesus from that. He's the bread of life. We look for food that will perish, but he's the food that never perishes. He's our Redeemer. Gives us things. He's the one that keeps our heart beating. So what about, what are you thankful for? Man, what, what in your heart are you thankful for because Jesus is the provider? Life and friends, what are you thankful for? Eternal life. Allergy medicine. Reconciliation. Miracles. Yeah. You know, is he responsible for everything in your life? He is. Trust him. Created to serve him. Jesus gives me the Holy Spirit, so like when I'm learning these things, it's him, right? And you too. He knows what we need. I mean, from God, all the water we have is, is from him. Every, every real bread that there it comes from him, everything that comes from the earth comes from him. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you so much for being the bread of life. We'll, we'll talk more about this, Lord, next week. And, and during the week, I, I pray that we would, in all the places that we would go, we would, we would think, we would meditate, we'd consider, and we would talk about you as the provision and the source, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that uh, in this time of, of singing praises to you, Lord, these next two songs, that you continue to speak into our hearts, Lord, and, and that we wouldn't waste the opportunity to be praying or, or talking to someone else, or they can come talk to me about what you're doing in their lives or in their hearts. Lord, bless these men and women. Feed them with you. Feed them with your spirit. Feed them with your presence. Feed them with your truth. Lift them up. Carry them if needed, Lord. Be with them in this time, I pray. Amen.